I'm gonna, before I preach, I'm going to say some things prophetically to you. And um, things that I've been feeling this evening. I want you to know, says the Lord, that I've been bringing you as congregations into your promised land. Um, it's how you know it's been no easy road. The, the, the level of spiritual war. How many have had more spiritual warfare? Just raise your hands. You've been embattled, but I want you to know you're going to win. And it's because, says the Lord, the fruit I have is so big, the fight's big too. And every congregation is going to acquire property, says the Lord. I'm going to bless you. Uh, Jamie, it's already happening for you. Um, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless Crowley. Make no mistake about it. But I want you to know I want to bring you an increase in my presence. And I want you to begin to have services set aside where you linger longer in my presence. And if you linger longer in my presence, healing and miracles are going to begin to break out in your midst. And uh, there is going to come a new supernatural touch over your churches. Um, I also have, says the Lord, you don't fully realize that you're also pregnant with a fourth sight. And you're a few months away from another sight materializing. Um, like every one of them, it's not going to seem the right time. When it was, who cares, says the Lord, if it's my time. But there's a fourth sight um, that's going to be birthed supernaturally. It's already happening. I'm already burdening people for it. Um, it's going to come to pass. But I want you to know these months are critical, says the Lord. Uh, you're not to back off from your vision. You're not to back off from your dreams. You're not to back off for what you've been believing for. For my hand is coming on this church, and I'm going to show myself glorious. I'm going to show myself powerful. Many of you are saying, well, why have you made what we're called to do so impossible? Because if it was possible, says the Lord, it wouldn't be big enough. And I'm forcing you into the realm of impossibility. Many of you feel like I'm facing impossibility. I want you to know, says the Lord, what the enemy is meant for evil, I have meant for good. Let's give God a clap for that. Um, I'm going to share this message. This, the only time I've ever shared this message in my life is today. And I was so excited about it, I told my wife, one of my daughters, who's living at home for a while, we have eight children, by the way, four biological, four adopted. We've been married 38 years. I know I still look like a teenager. It's not true. This is what good living will do for you. Okay, just kidding. Now, but humor aside, I told my wife, I said, I love this message so much, I'm sorry you're not going to hear it. And because uh, it really encouraged me. And I'm going to entitle this message, Lord of the Valleys. And I'm going to talk about five different valleys in Scripture that you can find yourself in as a believer. The hardest, they're two very, you know, even as you have topography and geography in the natural world, so in the spiritual world, we also have topography. And there are a couple, there's some hard topography. There are valleys, there's wilderness, and there's pits. We don't like those. We like mountaintops. You know, we like little vacations. But I want to start in 1 Kings 20, 28. If you remember that story, Ahab and Jezebel are ruling Israel. And how many of you know there's no more wicked leaders in the Bible than them? And the kingdom of the, the Arameans, led by um, their king, have been just wiping them out. 
And finally, they go to battle, and Israel defeats them. And I'm in 1 Kings 20, by the way. Israel defeats them, and they go back and say, well, we fought them in the wrong place. Their God's the God of the hilltops. He's the God of the mountains. He's the God of the high places. But if we could just get them in a valley, we'd defeat them. So we're going to get a big army, and next spring, we're going to get them in the valley because that God don't work in the valley. Their God's like limited. And a man of God in 1 Kings 20, 28 came to them and said this. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord said. Because the, Arama Ara the, the Aramaeans think the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands. You'll know I am the Lord. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he's God of the valleys. No matter what valley you find yourself in tonight, no matter how hard it has been, no matter how challenging it's been, and I myself have been in a 10-year valley before, I'm here to tell you, he is the Lord of the valleys, and he does his greatest work in the valleys. He'll meet you. No matter what your faith, and I want to talk now about five valleys. I shared this word um, in, in our, our church up there in Lafayette today, in Broussard. I mean, it, like, I've never seen such a response, honestly, of so many in the valley. But here's the thing. The valley is typically the pathway to the greatest moments of your life. And if you're in a valley, if you're in a pit tonight, the depth of your pit is a reflection of the height of your mountaintop. I want to talk about the valley of Eskel, the valley of Achor, the valley of Elah, the valley of the Kidron, and the valley of Baca. The valley of Eshcol is found in Numbers 13. It means the valley of the cluster. We know when they got into the valley of Eshcol, the grapes were so big, they would take one cluster of grapes and two men would carry it on a pole. How I many? That's big grapes. I mean, they'd never seen the size of grapes they saw. But what they forgot in that equation was the bigger the fruit, the bigger the fight. I'm here to tell you, many of you find yourself in the Valley of Eskel. You're close to some of the greatest fruit in your marriage, the greatest fruit in your, in your business. There are two people here tonight, you've been facing bankruptcy, you came needing a word. Here is my word to you, hold on, you will know God's deliverance. Let me tell you this now and hear me this. Beloved, listen to me. They got to the Valley of Eskel. And the Valley of Eskel is the place where God just shows you, this is all I have for you. But the problem is in the Valley of Eskel, you also figure out if the fruit's this big, how big is what's been eating it? <laughs> like if the grapes are gigantic, dear God, how big is what's guarding it? And they gave Moses, they came back and they said, we went into the land which you sent us. Moses, it flows with milk and honey. Church is rejoicing. Here's the fruit building. Man, look at them big grapes. My God, we've never seen it. But the people who live there are powerful. They've been eating this fruit a long time. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Just like a nation of Goliaths were there, the sons of Anak. Then there were the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites. 
Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can do it. Now I want to say, the greater the fruit, the greater the fight. And here's what I tell you now. If you run from the war you're facing, you'll run into the wilderness, which is far worse than the war you're running from. They basically scouted the promised land for 40 days. They ran into a wilderness one year for every day. The lie of the enemy is you'll never get that fruit. The lie of the enemy is that giant in your marriage, that giant in your business, that giant with your child, that giant in your health, there's no way. That is a lie. God has never promised you fruit without the strength you need to fight to get it. Why is there always such a great fight? Because it's the great fight that brings you into the proximity of producing the great fruit. Years of fruitfulness. You're close to 1,000 people today during the summer. The day will come when that number will be as nothing. You're coming into a three-year season of fruitfulness. And many of you find yourself, man, there's more warfare, there's more attack, there's more battle. I've never seen so much fruit and so much fight. Eskel's the place where there's a lot of fruit and there's a lot of fight. But let me tell you, the greater the fight, the greater the fruit. Bubba, the greater the fight, the greater the fruit. The greatest power you've ever known. The greatest gift of healing you've ever known. The greatest miraculous. And what you've experienced, Bubba, is not about your own body. It's about the body of hundreds who need a healing touch. The greater the fight, the greater the fruit. Second thing I want to tell you is there's the Valley of Achor. You know the story in Joshua. God had told them that I'm going to give you all these conquests. But he said, the first city, Jericho, everything belongs to me. And they went to Jericho, and one man, Achan, decided, this ain't fair to give this all to God. I'm going to help myself. He took silver, gold, and a robe. God saw it. But they came out of the victory of Jericho filled with confidence. And many times our victories set us up for defeat because we put our confidence in our momentum, not the words of the master. So the first building's easy. The first miracle's easy. First city's easy. They see AI and they go, man, AI's nothing. We just had Jericho. They did not pray. They did not seek God. They did nothing. Didn't get his plan. Sent 3,000 men, not the army. They were utterly routed. 36 killed, which to them, that wasn't many, but it broke their confidence. They fell on their face. God, what's wrong? We've lost God. What's wrong is you've sinned. The sin of one had brought catastrophe on the family. The sin of one. Many of you find yourself in proximity today with one person who seems to have brought you for disaster. There's pain, there's stress in your life. The worst kind of pain is to find yourself in a pain you did not bring on yourself and you feel helpless because of your connection with that person. Now, the good news is 
The good news is we don't live in that day where people were killed for their sin. Jesus was killed for us. I'm here to tell you now, many of you find yourself in the valley of Achor. You're just in the valley of trouble and you're in pain and you don't know what to do. You don't know any way out of the situation you're in. But God promises us in the book of Hosea 2.15, there I'll give you back your vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. You're troubled tonight. Someone you love is in misery. Some pain you have no answer for. Joshua fell on his face. God said, get up, son. Are you ready for my plan now? God says, forget, bring the whole army. Set up an ambush behind them and hold your spear up and watch what I do. Thus saith the Lord, in the middle of your trouble, God's opening for you a door of hope. Find his plan. Watch what he does. Some of you feel like, Jim, I'm in a disaster. It's not even of my own making. I'm suffering because of the economy. I'm suffering because of someone I love. God says, I'm going to take the valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. I'm going to take this pain you find yourself in. I'm going to take this war you find yourself in. I'm going to take this battle you find yourself in. They were standing at the door of taking their whole promised land and disaster smote them. But God said, you respond to my plan. You respond to my plan and watch what I do. Watch what I do. The rest is history. They conquered the promised land. Thirdly, we find the Valley of Elah. Israel was in trouble. This story is in 1 Samuel 17. They had never really defeated the Philistines. Years before, the sons of Eli had been killed, Ark had been taken. And now the armies of the Philistines had met them in the valley of Elah. And the Philistines had a champion who had never been defeated. If you think some of the players in the NFL and NBA are big, they're like nothing to him. He was 10 feet, three inches tall. He was the undefeated, undisputed champion of the armies of the ancient world. In those days, there was a trial by combat. And their champion would challenge the champion of your nation, and whoever won would win the battle. And every morning, the Bible says, during the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice, Goliath would come down into the valley of Elah, say, give me a man to fight with you dogs. Give me a man to fight with. And if you can defeat me, you've got your promise. How the devil loves to taunt us in our devotions. How he loves to say, you've got this giant of disease, this giant of money, this giant of relationship. Taunted him. Israel scared to death. You know why? Because no one in Israel could remember defeating the Philistines. Many of you are facing things tonight that no one in your family's ever defeated. No one's ever had the marriage you're dreaming about in your family. No one's ever had the kids you're believing for, the finances you're believing for. And in your corporate family memory, there's no memory of victory to give you faith that you can see it. 
Then the delivery boy shows up. The bread and wine truck show up. His name's David. He's despised by his own family. Brothers hate him. Dad thinks nothing of him. Many speculate he had a different mother. He shows up and he served his way into the moment of destiny. You see, you were born to face and fight what you are facing right now. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that we are his workmanship. That means he's working on us. We are his workmanship in Christ Jesus to do works that he prepared in advance for us. That means there were things God has already prepared for you to defeat and do. David did not realize when he came as a delivery boy that day that he would face the very giant that would catapult him into his destiny. He didn't realize that day that God had been waiting seven decades for the right human to bring into the earth what he had done in the spirit. You remember when they captured the ark, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3 and there 4. Captured the ark, took it into their main city and put the ark of the covenant, bad mistake, in Dagon's temple. They woke up the next morning, Dagon was bowing to it, should have never messed with, with the ark. Put Dagon back up as an accident, came back the next day, it was beheaded. Pain broke out. God began to wipe out that empire, including Gath, where Goliath was from. And what David did not realize, God had already beheaded Goliath's God 70 years before. And God is now looking for people who simply realize the victory of the cross. That young boy got out there. Brothers did not believe in him. Family taunted him. You're arrogant, you're stupid, you'll never conquer this giant. The king said, boy, he'll kill you for sure, but take my armor, you're welcome to it. David, too smart, he thought his armor never did him any good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You have everything you need to fight and kill the giant you're facing. For David, it was five rocks in a sling. Because David realized, I've killed lions and I've killed bears. It's no different killing a giant because it's not about the size of your enemy, it's about the size of your God. That giant you're facing, that thing in your health, your life, your kid, your church, that corporate need, you were born to face it. One of the works you were given by Christ was destroying this enemy. And when you do, freedom is gonna come to your whole family. Why not be the first one to defeat him? Rest is history. That giant said, you're no good. I'll turn you into dog food. I'll feed you to birds. He'd never lost. You understand? He'd never lost. He was a monster. He was so confident, he never, ever even grabbed the shield for the fight. The devil's grown overconfident. He doesn't realize insignificant you and I were put on the planet to tear down his house. Can any good thing come out of Eunice? Any good thing come out of Crowley? How many presidents were born in Jennings? God loves bringing his greatest treasures out of obscurity. 
Look what he brought out of Galilee. No one thought the Son of God would storm out of Galilee, take the world. Wasn't Jerusalem he came out of? Wasn't Athens? Wasn't Egypt? Hid there a while. You were born to do things in your family that have never been done. To overcome sin that's never been overcome. To break patterns that have never been broken. You've come to the valley of Elah. And your choices will affect hundreds. <clears throat> but you have everything you need in your walk with God to defeat what you've met. Fourthly, some of you find yourself in the Kidron Valley. David was there. Jesus was there. You understand geography. You've got Jerusalem up here. You go down after Jerusalem into the Kidron, which some believe that's where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Tombs, death, darkness. And look at me now. There was a brook in the Kidron Valley. The word Kidron means opaque, dark, um, thick, turbid, cloudy. It was a brook that was rain-fed. In the rainy season, it'd be full and rushing. In the dry season, not much. When David's son had betrayed him, raped part of his concubines and family, took everything, the Bible said David came down into the Kidron Valley weeping. Crossed over that brook. No hope left. Army gone. His mighty men and some mercenaries were left. That's all he had. All over. The Kidron Valley is the place of death. It's the place of darkness. It's the place the psalmist wrote about, I believe, when he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Jesus, according to John 4, 13 and 14, pardon me, Jesus, according to John 18, 1, was in that same valley. When Jesus spoke in those words, he went out to his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden. Jesus walking down to a horrific death. Now listen to me. But as Jesus walked down into the Kidron Valley and crossed over this brook, it says in Psalms 110, he'll drink from the brook and lift up his head. Hear me. In every battle, there is a brook. In every battle, there is a refreshing. Because in the middle of all that death, he crossed into the Garden of Gethsemane and fought and sweated blood in the shadow of the Mount of Olives where one day he'd come in his second coming. Your greatest battles are the foundation of your greatest victories. Your valley is typically at the foot of the mountain where he is going to bring you. There is no hell on this earth without a well for those who know God. There is no battle without a brook. Kidron, tombs all along the way, place of death. You know what it is to face a threat of death? I do. Doctors that have no answer to lay dying, to watch your son who played football, 228 pounds at 107 pounds, dying in your arms, skin and bones, 
The phone rings and your wife, they say your wife's cancer spread to her limp nose and brain. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've been down that valley. I spent my time in that valley. But in that battle, there was always a brook. There was always a place of refreshing. I'm reminded of Hagar in the wilderness, kicked out by Abraham's wife, despised, rejected. It says her little boy was dying of thirst. It says when she, she couldn't take his cries anymore, she put him under a bush and got just far enough not to hear his cry. You ever wonder why people abandon their family, abandon their kids? Is it because they're bad people? Sometimes you just don't stay where you have no answers. People many times are driven away from the pain of something they cannot fix. The angel came to Hagar and said, Hagar, rise up and take your child. About when she rose up, she saw the well that had always been there when she embraced her responsibility and found God. No matter what you're facing, there's a brook. Hear me now. This Christian life is not easy. It takes the supernatural life and power of Christ. Many of you find yourself in a valley tonight. It's hard. And that brings me to the valley of Baca. The valley of weeping. David describes it in Psalms 84, 6. He said, as they pass through the valley of Baca or weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The average Christian lives dry because the only time they're watered is externally. They've never learned to turn the place of weeping into the place of springs. If you're dry tonight, it's not because of your circumstances. It's because of your choices. It says Jesus was a root out of dry ground hated, despised, siblings didn't believe in him, mother eventually thought he was crazy, all his friends betrayed him, no one understood him on the earth. You say, that's unfair, no, it's just true, and here's why. Shouldn't surprise us that the first great revival under the ministry of Jesus was done through the vehicle of a sexually broken woman shunned and hated, a Samaritan. Some would have called her probably a prostitute, though that wasn't her livelihood. She'd been married to five different men and now she was living with a man. Hated men by this time, especially Jewish men who despised her ethnicity. Jesus looked at her in John 4, 13 and 14, and she said, well, why would I want this water? He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He said, you keep coming to this well, your thirst will never be quenched. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's he saying? The word drink here is a metaphor. Believe, respond, repent, hear, listen, spiritual discipline, spiritual response. He says, woman, you drink by faith tonight. I'm going to create a well on the inside of you because I'm going to take your spirit and through the Holy Spirit, 
I'm going to reconnect it to the Trinity. And no matter what you're facing from the life of the Trinity, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have power, you'll have anointing, you'll have grace, you'll have strength. What does that mean? We have all kinds of electronics up here, guitars and keyboards. If they weren't plugged into that power, they'd be worthless. When you were born again, you were plugged into the Trinity. But that's not enough. There's a switch that connects the circuit. And every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you listen, every time you meditate on the word, every time you confess the word, every time you walk with God, that circuit is flipped and the power and the life and the strength of God flows into you. Place of weeping. They make it a place of springs because the rain only comes in autumn. God will design to reign in your life that forces you to seek him or die. We're just what you're getting on Sunday is not enough. For small groups is not enough. We survive in the valleys because by his grace, we make them a place of springs. What am I saying tonight? He's Lord of the valleys. Why does he seem to do his greatest works in the valleys? Because the valleys reduce us to dependence on him and we spend more time than him with usual and we're flooded with his grace. Some of you are in the valley of Eskel. You live in the contradiction of the greatest fruit you've ever seen and the greatest fight you've ever had. And the fight is so bad, maybe you're thinking of forsaking the fruit. All I can say is this. The escape hatch from war is the wilderness where God will train you and you'll, you'll long for the fight. Maybe you find yourself tonight in the Valley of Acor. <clears throat> Troubles upon you. You feel like disaster is bitten down. You're stressed, you're tired. This God I serve says this, I'll take the Valley of Acor and make it a door of hope. <clears throat> that doom you feel. God says, I'll never ever give you more than you're able to bear I'll give you a way of escape so you can handle it. That doesn't mean so you can escape the stress. That means the way you can handle it, walk through it. Valley of Elah, the impossible giant, the one you were born to slay, born to defeat. This world's rough. Walking with God takes supernatural power. God's going to double your congregations. The day will come you'll look back and see 2,000. And that won't be the end. You're coming into three years of extraordinary fruit. And you're fighting for that period right now. Whoa. You can't imagine the blessings that are awaiting you. Some of you find yourself in the valley of the Kidron. It's just dark. The enemy feels like he's put a death flow on you. God's not afraid of death. The devil's already killed him once. That's what the devil killed Jesus. He murdered himself. Death's nothing. He 
can't kill the eternal God. And you can't kill the spark of eternity in a human either. To be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. In every battle, there's just a brook. Some of you are in the valley of weeping. It ain't raining, pastor. Get digging. Dig in prayer. Dig in worship. Dig in fellowship. There's a well in you whose levels are dictated by the Godhead, not by your circumstance. Pastor, it's hard. It's immaterial. And I speak to you as a person who's known hard. A person just like you. Suffer, hurt, pain, bad years, bad weeks. But my circumstance does not determine my state. I'm filled with the life of God. You're amazing people. God's far prouder of you as a people than you even realize. Because of the choices you're making, thousands of people are being touched and changed. You cannot imagine it yet. You won't even know until eternity.